You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. Okay, the hymn that starts our service together is called Open the Window. Open the window, children, let the dove fly in. Open the window, let the dove fly in. At some point during this, I will sing something that sounds like and you'll say, open the window, let the dove fly in. Will you try that with me? Open the window, let the dove fly. And then I'll go, open the window, let the dove fly. One more time, let's rehearse. Open the window, let the
Where's a fruit hat when you need it? I'm trying to give you ideas, Ari. What is it? Would you say? Would you say black beret? Oh well, it would work because I do think I could rock that. But no, but I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that Carmen Miranda <laughs> moment. Um, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I remember when I was 17 years old, I got my dream job. No offense. <laughs> I was hired as a technology consultant for Circuit City, may she rest in peace. <laughs> I had always wanted that job, and I had finally gotten it. I was selling computers, uh, which looked nothing like what we call computers now, and digital cameras that were this big. They asked me when they were hiring me for my resume, they wanted to know my qualifications. What qualified me to work at Circuit City? And I knew what they meant was my Monday through Friday resume. And I had a little bit to say about Monday through Friday, but I really wished that they had asked me for my Sunday resume. You see, I had grown up in church all my life, from my childhood, and I spent many days of the week in church and many, many, many nights in the church the church had loved me, but it had also put me to work. I was vice president of the children's choir and president of the children's choir, and I was secretary of the lay organization, parliamentarian of the lay organization. I was a steward in training, a trustee in training. I was a junior usher and a senior usher, though not all at the same time. Church had become, had become the center of my living. It was the place where all of my experience had been. And so I had garnered all sorts of titles that made me feel really nice. But I was not alone. In fact, everyone in the church had titles. There were stewards and trustees. There were reverends. Every woman in my family, in fact, was a reverend or a minister or an evangelist with not one master's of divinity degree among them. You didn't call them a choir member. You called them a psalmist. Why? Why did the nurses take such pride in that particular white uniform with not a crease in it? Well, it was because six days out of the week, the black church knew that their people would be called all sorts of names but a child of God, would be called all sorts of things that were meant to denigrate, to downplay their humanity. But at least on one day of the week, you would be called a name of respect and love. You would be seen and witnessed for who you are and lifted up for who you can be. And so you were reverend, you were minister, you were steward, you were psalmist, you were every bit of respect and honor that we could muster so that we might see you, lift you up, 
that you might be lifted up and see yourself. Witnessing each other, naming each other, and bringing the joy to our hearts of our own reflections and the beauty of our own skin and heart. Isn't that why we come to church? Welcome, newcomers, visitors, guests to First Universalist Church. Your presence here is a gift to this gathering. We are so glad you're here. Welcome longtime members, new members, friends, psalmists, ministers. Your return is a vote of confidence. Your return blesses this community in its own wisdom. Each life gathered here gives strength to our common journey, now and in and the living paths we take throughout our days, and so we celebrate you. We love and welcome each one of you. It matters to us that you are here. Oh no, that's all right. Yeah, I'll take I'll take some applause for some love. Yeah. We're here for love and peace and justice and freedom. If that don't deserve applause, I don't know what does. So right on. I'm Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout. I am proud to be with you as director of worship. And joining me in leading this service of togetherness and community, uh, Reverend Arif and Catherine Harrell, our worship associate, and Olu and John managing our media and live stream connection, and, uh, and Paolo Dubuque on, on piano, and all of you and greeters and ushers and artists, and Reverend Ashley on bass. That's not right. But I do have a bass in my room if you, if you like to, if you want to try it out. Many hands have prepared this space with grace and good care. Many hearts have prepared this time. So that we might be kept and we might be changed. So that we might wake up and find rest. I invite you to pause with me and help me prepare the space. Pause to notice how life is breathing in you now. I invite you to notice the body that holds you. And let the body show you the way to soften and loosen. As this happens, as you allow it to happen, carefully choose a word, hope, liberation, revelation, wisdom, something that your spirit hopes to find in our time together. I heard hope, yes. Let this hope breathe in you slowly and deeply as we take three meaningful breaths.
peace and inspiration await us now in the familiar places and in the places we've never thought to look. May that ever be so. This is Mental Health Sunday. It is a Sunday on which we speak plainly about the wellness of our minds, our mental health. And there are some things that everyone should know about mental health. Some things that we particularly want the younger folk in the sanctuary to know this morning. The first thing is that, the first thing that we should all know is that the wellness of our minds is a big topic and there is a broad spectrum. From a mind that always feels happy to a mind that always feels bad and all kinds of things in between. Which means that there isn't one thing that counts as a problem with mental health and there isn't really one thing that is normal, even though that idea about there not being one thing that is normal is something that we are all still slowly learning. Another thing to know is that the wellness of our minds can and does change over time and in different situations. And they are different for different people. There are places and activities that one person might have a really easy time with and that another might find really mentally challenging and no one is right or wrong. Most of us, most of us will experience times when our minds are doing things that we don't like and that don't feel good. Sometimes our minds will have thoughts that make us scared, that make us worried, that make us uncomfortable. And this will happen to most people at some point. If that happens to you, it is okay. If it happens to you, if it is happening right now, it does not mean that you are a bad person. It is not something to be ashamed of. It is not something that you need to hide. In fact, there are people all around you right now that can accompany you in those times when you don't like what your mind is doing. They can sit with you. They can hear you. They can believe you. And if you need help, they can help you find it which is to say that we, as a congregation, hold these commitments together. We are here to help one another, even in this. The last thing that we should all know is that the wellness of our minds is very much connected to the wellness of the relationships that we have. Caring for our relationships, caring for each other, 
is a big part of caring for our minds. In this, as in so much else in this life, we are never truly alone. And it can take a lot of courage to reach out when our minds are feeling challenging. We can be brave together. We can do hard things. Knowing this, with this spirit in our hearts, I invite Catherine to come forward and help to light our chalice this morning. And will you please join me in the words for lighting our chalice? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. In one of my more nuanced decisions as a worship director, the next hymn is This Little Light of Mine. Would you rise? Let's sing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I'd like to speak on behalf of some of your hands. Yes, yes, they want to do that.
We're setting aside some time and space to say that our mental health matters and that it's important to talk about mental health in our community. We're saying that we care about the health of your mind and the health of my mind and the health of our minds and the minds of those beyond these walls. We care about them as, at least as much as we care about the health of our bodies and spirits. This is a place where you can share the truth of your experiences, the truth of your life and your journey, and we embrace you. We will hear you, and we will help you find what you need. We believe you. We take you seriously. We care about you. You are important to us. In just a moment, we will begin this ritual by inviting people to come forward and light candles. This ritual is about understanding ourselves and each other. If you want to light a candle to show this, we will be thankful. But if you don't, that's okay too. Because we all have moments when we prefer the cool and the rest of the shade. We are glad you're here. We are glad that you're part of this event, whether you light a candle or not. As we start this ritual, we know that these last years have been particularly hard for our youth. And so if you are a middle or high school student who has struggled these last years with your mental health and are willing to lead us, you are welcome to come up and light a candle, to claim this part of your existence and know it held in the embrace of this community. Thank you. If you are a youth, if you are an adult who has struggled with mental health now or in the past, you are welcome to come up and light a candle to claim this part of your existence and know it held in the embrace of community.
if you are with us online, we are lighting candles for you and we invite you to put a flame in the chat in whatever way feels right to you. By this community of light gathered here, each candle illuminating those next to it, together making warmth available to us all. May we know we are not alone. May we know gratitude for each light dancing its own dance, for the shadows amongst them that breathe and rest between them, for the communion of brightness and shade, which means to make room for us all. Amen. Circle round for freedom. Circle round for peace. For Church is always about being in touch with what is happening in the world. And this week, some really hard things have happened in the world that we need to invite in and make room for. I'm talking specifically about what has happened, what is happening in a place called Palestine and a place called Israel. These two places exist right next to each other. 
And the people there have lived there in different ways for a long time. It is a beautiful place. And it is a place where some of our oldest ideas about God and religion were formed. It is also a place where some of the people believe really strongly that their ideas are right. And it's a place where leaders have built walls around each other because they are so sure that what they believe is right and that what the other people believe is wrong. And sometimes, in this kind of situation, people decide that the only way to get their voices heard and to get what they want is by hurting other people. And that's what happened again earlier this week. And that's what is still happening right now. A war has started, and people are getting hurt, and people have died, and some people are missing, and their families don't know if they're okay. It is a scary time for everyone there, and for lots of other people too, because in the world that we live in, we are all connected. And so this morning, we are holding all these people in our hearts. Congregation, will you pray with me? We are praying for people in Israel and Palestine who lost their lives. We're praying for the release of people held captive. We are praying for everyone who is in mourning because of this war. And we are praying for peace. In this time of prayer, I invite you now to speak aloud, to hold in your hearts, to share in the chat all those that you would lift up in worship this morning, that they be surrounded by the care of this congregation. Prayers for Steve. We hear these prayers. We hold all this all that has been named aloud, all that has been named in our hearts, all that has been shared in the chat, all that we hold close in silence. We pray that all be held in love, that all know peace, that all know ease, May it be so. And amen.
in just a moment, I will extinguish the candles we have collected. The light doesn't disappear one bit. Neither does the shade. In fact, we're timing it in this particular way because of the other thing that's happening, an invitation to your generous giving. The same sort of collection. One by one, we collect what we have into one place to be of benefit to the world. And because of our connection to all things, for the world to then be of benefit to all our lives, for all our living. This week, our collection of money goes out the doors beyond these walls to benefit the work of Mental Health Connect. Mental Health Connect is a diamond of an organization started from one single donation, one that connects us each with the mental health care that we need in our own individual ways. Russell, the lead navigator for Mental Health Connect, through the mighty miracle of the internet and recorded video technology, joins us now to tell us a bit more. We'll have to press that play button one more time, I guess. Oh. Oh, what a mighty opportunity this is. <laughs> That's what I've been doing in my meditations. Hi, just trying my name's to see Russell. Things as, uh, I'm the lead navigator for Mental Health Connect. Okay, pause. And I'm here to tell you a little bit about uh, why I do this work. Um, I'm concerned oh, oh, about the mental health. Um, church's, uh, uh, church's number one um, spiritual exponent, uh, export, um, is the artful transition. I'm, I'm telling you, it'll, tell you how, it'll, it'll teach you how to live your life. Um, so we're going to do this again. Um, friends, uh, the opportunity has come to be human before one another and to witness imperfection in its finest form. And now, uh, with prayer, Russell will tell us a bit more about Mental Health Connect. Russell? Hi, my name's Russell. I'm the lead navigator for Mental Health Connect, and I'm here to tell you a little bit about uh, why I do this work. Um, I'm concerned about the mental health in our society. I think in a lot of ways, uh, mental health is not only ignored, but discouraged in this world we live in. We're dealing with stigmatization, we're dealing with a mental health system that was never set up to be easily accessible, um, we're dealing with an epidemic of loneliness. And in that climate, I think a lot of people are resigned to suffer alone with their mental illnesses and people lose hope. And I know I've been there at my dark times, but I've also been blessed to have resources available to me that allowed me to nurture my own mental health and help me find a state of peace that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And because I've been lucky enough to walk that path, I feel a responsibility to help others who may be suffering alone now and not know what to do to take control of their mental health. And so in that spirit, I'm here to ask you today, how is your mental health? 
what is the mental health like of your family members and your close friends and your loved ones? And in an ideal world, what would your mental health care routine look like? If you could use access, um, if you could use help getting access to any resources that could make that, that vision a reality for you, give the navigators a call. That's what we're here for. We help people find resources for counseling, for inpatient care, for support groups or education, whatever your unique health, uh, mental health journey is, we're here to walk it with you. So give us a call. If you doubt uh, that your contribution will make a difference, I'll remind you of two things. One, Mental Health Connect was started with a single donation. Two, I'll remind you of the light and the shade that collect when one person decides and another person decides that their little light can help make light for us all. The ushers will come to receive the morning's offering, and I thank you now for your generosity. This is why my eyes are dry. It's just as well for all I've seen. 
By this practice of giving and receiving, may the spirit of love grow among us, beyond us, always. Friends, if giving is your gift, I thank you. If receiving is the moment that you're in, Please allow this community to be a gift to you. Know that part of what we do in the world, what we do with our resources, is save some of them so that when you find your life in hardship, that we can be available to you. All you do is you let me know, you let a minister know that that's the conversation you want to start, and we'll help you start it. It's as simple as that, and it's not easy at all. But it is simple. Know that we are there, and our door is open, the one to our hearts and the one to our church. Let me let you know some other simple things that are not easy. Next week's service begins at 10 a.m. See? Simple. Not easy. If anybody has slept through that alarm before, simple. Not easy. Friends, now is a time where we deepen our worship space, our worship hearts with one another. And we begin in the form of a reading. I'll need your help. Whenever I pause, I'm going to ask you to say this group of words with me. The words are, what can we do to stretch our hearts enough? Would you say it with me? What can we do to stretch our hearts enough? The reading, my friends, from the words and the wisdom of A. Powell Davies. The years of us the years of all of us are short, our lives precarious. 
What can we do to stretch our hearts enough? Our days and nights go hurrying on, and there is scarcely time to do the little that we might. What can we do to stretch our Yet we find time for bitterness, for petty treason and evasion. What can we do to stretch our hearts enough to lose their littleness? Here we are, all of us, all upon this planet, bound together in a common destiny. Living our lives between the briefness of the daylight and the dark, kindred in this, each lighted by the same precarious, flickering flame of life. How does it happen that we are not kindred in all things else? How strange and foolish are these walls of separation which divide us? What can we do to stretch our hearts enough? In the summer of 1996, my mom and dad informed my brother and I that they were getting a divorce. I was six. I had no clue. What is divorce? And why are we getting one? I soon learned that getting a divorce is getting a suitcase, so you can travel back and forth between homes every first, third, and fifth weekend of the month. And divorce is a list of rules that a kid receives but does not make, but they can break. From my parents, I also heard a lot of things a kid needs to hear in the midst of adult conflict. I love you. It's not your fault. There wasn't anything you could have done to have prevented this. And I love you. But there were paradox and mixed messages everywhere. From, um, in an otherwise common conversation with my dad, my brother had recently received a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. Maybe some of you had the joy. And my dad asked, did you play with your N64 this week? No, they have a no TV on weeknights rule. Did you hear it? That was a rule break. I used the word they. A couple of years after my parents divorced, I'm about eight, and Sherry moved into our house with my mom. She had been around for a while. In fact, I had always known Sherry. I liked her, and most importantly, I knew she liked me. She did things like help with my homework, picked me up from church choir rehearsal, taught me how to fish, read books to me before bed, 
and participated in our Bible devotional we did at breakfast every morning and gratitude practice. And most importantly, she helped pack that suitcase that went to my dad's house. She paid attention to the details. Things like she never packed a white shirt. I don't want you to get queso dip on a white shirt. And she did things to pay attention to the strain in the relationship with my dad. She, every mo some mornings, would put the sports section of the newspaper at my place at the breakfast table so that I could look over it, and maybe I would have a few talking points for my next visit with my dad. Paradox number one. Sherry is one of Catherine's most trusted adults and closest witnesses. And mention Sherry to dad or to grandma, mom's mom, and feel what it feels like to have all of the oxygen sucked out of the room. When I was my first year in high school, Sherry moved out, and the air at home had become quite thick. And I was getting less and less information. If I asked a question, well, questions weren't really welcome. And so I didn't ask. Either I sussed out information, or I was in the dark. And I got really good at sleuthing skills. Now, here's the part of the story where it's really important to understand late 1990s, early 2000s, Dallas, Texas, and the good church-going folks we were at First Baptist Church of Garland. We're talking early internet. Googling, not a thing yet. Lesbian celebrities are coming out. They're getting canceled before we had the phrase canceled in that term. Queer was still a slur and hadn't been reclaimed. In fact, the most common use of the word gay in my world was an insult on one's masculinity. The word lesbian was hardly used, and if it was, was said like a disease. If we were gonna talk about it, and we weren't gonna talk about it, but the books on the shelf at the church library, they were gonna talk about it, and they were gonna use words like homosexual. Those were words that were gonna do the damning. Have attraction to a like-gendered person and prepare for shame. Have a mom living with a sherry and, well, don't talk about it. So did you hear the part about the breakfast table, the Bible devotional, the gratitude practice? And did you hear the part about church choir? And did you hear the part about the supportive, loving, present, and attentive parent? I was living one story, and then the truth from a theological perspective was a very different one. And I'm buying into both. This was the mixed message. This wasn't a paradox. When I use the word paradox, I'm talking about two true things that seem absurd and self-contradictory. Yet, here they are, coexisting. And when I say mixed message, I mean a truth and falsehoods, and those are in the mix. And so I was surrounded by both, paradox and mixed messages and I felt alone. Most of you are probably familiar with fight, flight, freeze, states of our nervous system activation. 
These are the opposite of our resting and digesting state. But there's another way our species responds to stress or difference in our environment. We flock. This is flocking. You all have flocked. Like birds flock, like sheep flock, humans do too. Imagine you're having dinner with friends and you take a bite of soup and it's sour. You might look around to see if anybody else notices what's up with the soup. That looking around, that's flocking. That's the check with somebody else and it, it's unique. Flocking is unique as a response in that it precedes the fight, flight, freeze and it requires a relationship, or at least the idea of a relationship in order to work. The parts of our brain that are constantly scanning for security or unexpected difference, they're either soothed or alarmed by the response we see around us from others. But what if there isn't a mirroring response? What if no one sees us? Or what if we are seen, but nobody says anything? Are we really seen? And as a note, if you are confused by how I could have been living so close to mom and Sherry and not have a clue what their relationship was, then you've gotten exactly the point of the story. Because sometimes we're living so close to our own life, we can't see it by ourselves. So by my count and recount and triple count and double checking, I knew approximately zero other kids with gay and lesbian parents. And so what happened was a combination of paradoxed and mixed messages. Living in a loving home and not talking about my mom's relationship with Sherry was occurring in the midst of mixed messages that I was receiving, the untruthful, the shameful, that I was messages I was getting about sexuality from church. It wasn't working to flock. So my body and my heart grew more activated. As time passed and it kept not being talked about, the unspoken rules got more powerful. And when I said they have a rule of no TV on weeknights, I was mentioning Sherry, and the consequence was an angry, inflamed father. When we drew lines around not talking about Sherry, we didn't just draw lines there. We drew boxes around ourselves so that we had very little access to connection with one another left. So this was just the example of the lived paradox and mixed messages that I had. And there are lots of ways that these can be constructed. Others may sound something like, don't be so hard on yourself, but if you don't take this life seriously, you're not gonna make it. And have a rational response to an otherwise chaotic and unjust world. That's not safe. Take a risk. Don't back talk. Don't talk to me like that. You need to advocate for yourself. And maybe from an adult, a teenager might hear, we want you to share with us. But don't use that tone, and I'm going to need you to take a breath and calm down before you can talk to me about that. Some paradoxes aren't meant 
to be dismantled. It is both true that relationships are risky and a refuge. A family of porcupines poke each other. And they also know that their closeness is essential for winter survival. We get injured in relationships. It's unreasonable to expect differently. But the repair and the accountability absolutely matter. And so if we can't dismantle a paradox, we need them to be witnessed. While I had loving adults and friends around me when I was a teen, I did not have adults reflecting the tension of, that I was living with. And so I was just living with the tension. And when we live with unexplained tension, we carry it in our nervous system, undigested. And after a while, if left undigested, the tense energy moves from being an emotional state into a more persistent energy until it can be seen and witnessed, lovingly held. Sometimes this goes a really long time. Mixed messages in a similar way keep getting messier. The true from the not true gets harder to discern. As I was a teen, I witnessed many teens trying to live with their paradoxes and mixed messages. And so what's a teen to do? And what's an adult to do? Teens, I want to keep hearing you. I really mean that. A personal invitation from me to you is to get loud, is to tell us what it is, however you say it, that you need us to hear. And if you do say something, stay for the rest of the conversation. Don't cut short your opportunity to be well heard. And adults, in the words of RuPaul, stay ready. Stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. <laughs> Hear what the young people around us are already saying. And listen as if you don't already get it. Open your hearts so wide that getting louder isn't necessary for anyone. Unmix the messages. Name and witness the paradoxes. One way I've learned to scan for mixed messages is to compare the words we're saying with our actions. As soon as I do that, it's not as hard to see their confusion. Then say it back. Say what you're seeing that they are seeing back to them. That might sound like, it must be so confusing to have a screen time limit when you see me reaching for my phone at boredom's first presence. Maybe our teenagers aren't asking us to be perfect. Maybe they're asking us to be honest. And they want us to be honest with ourselves and with them. It's not just enough to be aware of mental health. We've gotten that. And good on us for getting there. That was an important step. But it's time to keep expanding the conversation. 
And I have a great deal of concern if we keep limiting the conversation to talking about mental health. We're gonna continue to reinforce that it is the person in pain's job to do their healing and find their healing, while the rest of folks wait for them to feel better. Individualism and isolation as white supremacy culture will continue to reign and bootstraps will continue to be required. Expanding the conversation of mental health to include our relational health moves us towards our values of collectivism and shared accountability and health and wellness. When I listen to a teenager share their confusion, I see memories of my own confusion from my early life start to clear up as they feel more deeply understood. Most of us don't get home at the end of the day and say, geez, I have just been too listened to today. If one more person hears me, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> Listening doesn't have to be a scarce resource. It's renewable, it's sustainable. We have an abundance of opportunity to listen and to witness one another. And so may our listening and witnessing of one another be the very definition of our culture. This is for the congregation on behalf. <laughs> Sometimes in our lives, set down this weekly practice of gathering in community to deepen our spirit, may we hold in clear view that we are the witness to others. And may we feel the presence of witnesses, loving witnesses, truth tellers surrounding us without cease. When we tend to our relationships, our conflicts, our practices of love, may it be for the good health of all beings. May we feel our presence and our existence is never a burden, but is always our greatest gift to all communities. With open hearts, listen, witness, and speak your truth. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ. That's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online 
at firstuniversalistchurch.org.